0: man aaron what's going on bro how you doing today i'm doing good just it the football season again but let me ask you a question like right off the bat (laughs) let me ask you a question like i feel like an emptiness in my heart like with like right now you know like how do you feel like how do you pass the time
1: man it just it's good to hang out with my girlfriend and stuff and, and and just get to do stuff like it just to, to pass the time by and just write it, write stuff about articles and stuff like that. That's the only way to get through that. There's just a empty space in my heart right now without
0: football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I mean, and, and especially like for me, like the feeling, the emptiness is prolonged because, you know, my season is over by like November, you know? So, <laughs> you know, cause I'm a Jeff fan. So my season's over by like November, but you know, as people will get to know throughout this episode, you are a Dallas Cowboys fan. And uh, really, the first thing I want to like ask about that in, in terms of the Cowboys was how disappointed you were with the performance that they had in uh, in their playoff game this year. How, how did that taste? <laughs> Man, it,
1: it was pretty hard because I thought this was the team that was going to get past the first round, but we did the same thing we did in 2016. Uh, not in 2016, but 2014 I had a really good team but we just losing the first round it's just like we didn't make adjustments on offense defense tried to hold it down but you got to have both sides working and it didn't work out like
0: yeah because so, the like while I was watching the game i mean Elijah Mitchell and everyone they were like torching the cowboys on the ground in the first half yeah. and then it wasn't so much in the second half so i was like all right at least they're making defensive adjustments but the offense always seemed sort of shaky. And then of course, I'm going to ask you about the, uh, the planned quarterback draw. How do you, uh, how do you feel about that play The
1: <laughs> towards the end of the it, game? It was, it wasn't a good idea at all. Cause there was like five <laughs> seconds left. We're going to go quarterback draw, but yeah, that, I questioned that. It just went by so fast. I didn't really get to think about it until I watched the game over again. Like we really just went for a quarterback draw when we're trying to get a touchdown.
0: <laughs> like, that's funny, man. No, I just, yeah, I, I don't, uh, not even to try and poke fun or anything because, know. you know, you could poke fun all day about the Jets. So I just, you know, I just wanted to get your perspective on a couple of things like that. Also, you mentioned before that, you know, you write articles to pass the time. So I'm assuming that's for, uh, off the ball network. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What's that all about?
1: Uh, off the ball network. It's a, it's a network based out of New York. As uh, one of the Chris LeBron graded uh, uh, and stuff. And then I was just on Twitter and they were saying, they're looking for writers and stuff. And I was just kind of freelancing and stuff. Really wouldn't get much feedback. And I just started looking at their stuff. They got like shows. And i like, man, I love me messaging them and stuff like that. I, I do like draft profiles for them. And I'm trying to get back into that as well. And it's it, everybody's cool and stuff. And they're understanding it. And everybody has great ideas. They're like constantly on Twitter, on the on the messages really coming up with ideas and everything and it, it's just fun to, uh, working with them and then the new network i started last week as a paid be a paid writer to talk about the dallas cowboys so that's been pretty fun and i know we're going to be talking to like my first article i did with them was over dalton schultz so and it's kind of dream control talking about my dallas cowboys so.
0: oh man that's that's a great thing to hear I, i'm always about the uh you know, because I, I mean, let's face it, all of us like guys like uh, smaller creators and stuff like it's just chasing a dream, you know what I mean? And the fact that you get to write things about your favorite team is is that's that's really, really cool. And, you know, I actually like had the opportunity to 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 do that for the Jets with the, uh, this Jets media page. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I just love talking about like I love, obviously I love talking about the Jets, but like. I just love talking about every team, like every yeah. aspect of a sport. So I couldn't see myself just narrowing it down to one team, regardless yeah. if that was my favorite team or not. But that's really admirable. And I'm really glad that you're having a good time with all that kind of stuff. But, um, how long have you been writing for them?
1: Uh, for all the ball network has been for about a year and something. And like I said, prime time has just been since last week. So.
0: Yeah. And I see, I'm, I'm looking at it now, you know, your, your page is looking pretty good. Uh, you know, sixty-five followers and all that kind of stuff. We'll we'll get Aaron. Don't worry. We'll get that up, buddy. Don't don't worry. I, don't don't I you worry about you, that. Appreciate you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll I, definitely get that up. But that's a really cool picture. I love the logo, by the way. Um That's a really. Did you come up with that, or did did like you have someone make that up for you?
1: Oh, it's actually my my friend's girlfriend made that logo for us and stuff like that. Because the one I he, he he still hosts. He's one of the co-hosts. He's a Forty ers <laughs> fan, so that you know that we, that, that playoff game was pretty interesting he was all saying oh y'all gonna catch back up and then at the end of the game everybody was looking at him because it was like a whole bunch of Dallas Cowboy fans in there and we just shook him he just got out of there
0: <laughs> oh man that's really that's really cool man I'm looking at this uh I'm looking at your your profile real quick for primetime uh Cowboys and you're covering it for Border Fuel Sports Network that's pretty cool I didn't even I actually didn't even realize that until just now because I was looking at I was looking at your profile before, and then I saw Primetime Cowboys, but I didn't look at the actual description. So um, what is Border Fuel Sports Network? That sounds pretty cool.
1: Yeah, they're uh, based out of Missouri and stuff. Like, they're up and coming. Like uh, I looked there. They're like a small company because, you know, you always want to do your research and make sure it's not a scam and all that. Of course, stuff. yeah. Yeah, and I seen they had a LinkedIn page. I was like, okay, y'all y'all, y'all legit then and stuff like that. And I seen they, they cover the Chiefs. The Eagles and the Cowboys and the Steelers, so they're still growing and stuff like that. So it's good to be part of something that's like growing, is not like it's set, but they're still growing. I'm like, let me join. And like, there's only for the Cowboys, only three writers right now, so I could just see they're growing. So it's good to be a part of two networks that are just on the rise right now.
0: That's that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm I was actually looking at it now, and they're really covering, I mean. They're getting like the biggest fan bases out there. Like you think of like, obviously the cow, the Cowboys and the Steelers basically rule the United States when it comes to like well-traveled fans. I want to say, and then you know the Eagles die-hard organization. You know, Chiefs are of course besides for the die-hard Chiefs fans. Now you get all the bandwagon fans now that they're oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So you know, um, you know, Aaron, just think of me, buddy. If they're thinking of uh, if if they ever want a Jets rider or something, I'll I'll be happy to contribute, but um yeah you got to get a new york media in there you know what i'm saying yeah. bro like <laughs> yeah i'm shocked that they, they don't have one but if i see one i'm gonna add you on there for sure i definitely wow, appreciate will. that man that's awesome but uh i'm i was excited to talk to you all day i actually was doing i actually was just at baseball practice and i was thinking about a bunch of things like Just to talk about one of the one of the things that you sent me, an article that you sent me a couple days ago, we were talking about your your Cowboys free agency and then two tight ends that could replace Dalton Schultz. Now, before we get to the two guys that you think can replace Dalton Schultz, why don't you tell I talk about Dalton Schultz a lot because every once in a while I'll do like a like a Jets themed show. But for the most part, it's like all sports. So I've talked about Dalton Schultz a couple of times. But coming from a Dallas Cowboys fan, if, you know, per se, that Dalton Schultz would leave Dallas and perhaps ply his trade at MetLife Stadium, what would Jet fans like myself and people that listen, what what would we be getting from Dalton Schultz?
1: You would get like a you would get a go to type of tight end if you utilize him right, because he could be a very solid uh, tight end one. It just when he had a tight end two, he he didn't really get his fair shake until his last two seasons with the Dallas Cowboys because they were fully set on Jaron because they gave him a contract and stuff. But injuries happen. He's kind of like that tight end. He he needs to work on his blocking skills, but he's a willing blocker. But he's an excellent receiving tight end. It's like when you need somebody going up in the slant or something like that in the middle, that's that type of tight end you're looking at. He's a He's got that. You could tell he has that basketball uh, uh, skill set. So that's that's a plus in the what tight ends you're looking for. He's like six six, about two fifty four, and he just okay, goes nice. reels
0: in for those, reels in for those, uh, those yards you need. You know, and you know we definitely need those yards. That's for sure. But uh, so you mentioned what well, that's. I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because a lot of Jet fans, including myself. Myself up until about a week ago, when I was really doing like a deep dive into like blocking statistics and everything. A lot of people want Dalton Schultz because they, or especially on the Jets, because Jets fans want every single free agent that's on the market. So you know we can't always have what we want, but a lot of people are held bent on Dalton Schultz because they think that his skill, his particular skill set, would fit Mike LeFleur's offense to a T. Now you mentioned that his blocking skills aren't as up to par. So, like, what do you think maybe he could work on? You said he's willing. Is he, like, how how is he in pass sets? Is he better in pass or run sets?
1: He's better in uh, pass sets more than, than run sets. He doesn't kind of – when his blocking is more finesse, it's not physical. He's not like how a kid will drive people to the
0: ground. He's just like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to try. All right. Well, I don't really know how much I want. That's I'm just going to try. But uh, that's good to know, because everyone, you know, is is thinking, oh, my God, Dalton Schultz, he's a great, uh, you know, dual threat tight end. He could throw a block and then he could also go out there and and catch. But I I wanted to hear you say that he was a better run blocking tight end than a pass blocking tight end, because, you know, that's that LeFleur offense. That's that you know, zonal uh, outside-the-box type of running. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of need the tight end to seal that edge. So maybe a little bit of a blow, a little bit of a disappointing blow. Yeah. But um, I would still welcome him with open arms because our top two tight ends are Daniel Brown and Ryan Griffin. So, you know, I mean, Dalton Schultz is like – like that would be like going from – that that would be like our Tony Gonzalez or something like that. Like, we would, oh. like it, they would mean that much to us. But I'm glad that you offered a little bit of like insight to exactly what type of – player that he is because a lot of jet fans just think oh you know he's a dual threat guy but it's good to kind of dive into the numbers and understand really what he brings to the table. So thank you for that also talking about this article that you wrote um there are two guys specifically that you think that could replace dalton schultz and that's mo ali cox and that's oj howard so tell me a little bit like i i, I know the article because I read it, but they don't know the article, so you know, kind of uh, give us a little, little bit of an oversight of why you think that they would be good fits for the Dallas Cowboys.
1: I always kind of uh, when it comes to I Cox, I kind of started watching him a lot because his journey from being a college basketball player into converting to a to an NFL tight end it's kind of like the Antonio Gates type of situation, and you know, similar to Tony Gonzalez, and like it's been it works and sometimes it doesn't work because there have been other. Uh, players, that did it, but he's success. He's a a tight end too because he, he's behind Jack Doyle. But Jack Doyle gets hurt, and then you got that's when Ollie Cox comes in, and he's one of those tight ends that is actually a really willing blocker, like in pass sets, run sets as well. And that that's kind of that's kind of crazy because you know some player he hasn't he didn't play co- collegiate football. He played high school football in his wow. freshman year, so that transition to willing to uh, get those extra blocks and drive players to the ground I'm like okay and just when he catches the ball he's not going to go down with just one tackle there are like two or three guys trying to not uh, uh put him to the ground but he'll get he'll run and try to make that extra 2 to 3 yards or just go
0: for that t- for that touchdown That's the type of player he is. Yeah, i he had um i don't want to say he's fallen off recently in the last couple of years but i believe it was 3 seasons ago where he had that kind of two or three seasons ago where he had that kind of like breakout season yeah. and then he kind of fell fell back down to earth but um well that was when was it the season when ebron led the league in touchdowns with indianapolis yeah that was his year yeah.
1: like it was ebron and mo alley that's when everybody really started catching the eyes of people it's like they were ebron was getting a touchdown like every every game or one or two it was just like 'Cause I had him on the face of football, I was like, okay, okay, let me <laughs> like keep on getting these touchdowns. I'm about to win this championship and it, it helped out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so you also you mentioned so that's Mo Alley Cox's situation. So you're thinking about O. J. Howard as well. Now I feel like out of the two, OJ Howard would be the more offensively productive player if he could stay healthy. So what what do you think about that? Give me your your insight on why you think he'd be a good fit for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah,
1: uh, when it comes to O. J. Howard, it's kinda of like our our general manager when it comes to Will McClay and Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, they like those first round guys that they may have injury history, but they had that first round value. And that's mm-hmm. why like O.J. Howard, he was a he was a hell of a tight end in Alabama. It just his first three years in the in the in the, for the Bucks, he was doing well. But then when you get a Robin Kowski and then you have one before him, Cameron Braith, it's kind of limited on the how much he can get out of there. It's just like he could get a new resurgence with being with the the Cowboys with Jarwin and McKen. If we lose Show, it's like I think as long as his role is kind of limited, we don't have to worry about the injuries. If if you make him tight end one, you're going to be dealing with two injury prone type of tight ends. Like it's good to see he came back from that torn Achilles last year because you know some players uh, they're not the same after that. They don't they lose their step, but he did a good job for what he. What they gave him out there for the Bucks. If you have three tight ends, you're not going to get great production. If you got Robertkowski, he's going to get all of the majority of the yards. But yeah. I think he still holds value for the Cowboys
0: if we get him. I like that too. I'm a big fan of. I kind of say I disagree with Jerry Jones and all those guys on a lot of things that they do. But um, in terms of what you're talking about, like valuation where it's like, Oh, like this guy could be something because of, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. Maybe he was in a bad situation, injury prone, stuff like that. I'm a big fan of those guys too. And, you know, months ago when I was looking at like, you know, when the Jets season was over, basically after week two, uh, I was looking, I was looking at the, you know, like the free agent list. And I was like, well, you know, OJ Howard, that's a guy that I would, I'm a big, like, I don't want to say risk taker, but I I like to take chances, but only in a situation where it would do more good than harm. But I feel like if OJ Howard was, you know, signed by the Jets uh, and he turns out to be, you know, two-year contract, he's injured both years, that would do more harm than good because that's like a big tight end is, the Jets have not had a good tight end, consistently good tight end since Dustin Keller. And that was in the early 2010s. So we've been really searching. You know, we've had guys come along. You know, Austin Safarian, Jenkins, Kellen Winslow Jr., you know, guys like that. But, you know, no one really consistent more than a year or two. And, yeah, I feel like that would be a risk to take. But I feel like for the Cowboys where, like you said, where he doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, tight end number one. Uh, he could really flourish, and I think that that's that's a really good point. And I, I really enjoyed the article. It was short. I need to see a little bit longer articles from you, Aaron. I, I like oh, I, I, got I like stuff, man. You you know I I, I need more stuff. than more than two, but that was a really good article, and I'm glad that you kind of broke it down and and you know gave us the scoop on that. And there was a tweet that I saw when I was on Twitter before I mentioned it to you before we started recording, and I wanted to run by you and just get your perspective. So the the game, I guess you would say. Is uh rate your team's past season. And then it gave us a bunch of categories. And um this guy so happened to do the Dallas Cowboys, and it was really the on- one of the only ones that I saw. So that's why I was going to bring it up to you. And uh so this is from the past season, obviously. So uh they said that the Dallas Cowboys in free agency got a C. Plus. Um the draft got an A minus, which I I I would say that's pretty, pretty okay. Uh, the head coach a D, offensive coordinator C minus, defensive coordinator A plus, uh, offense B, defense A minus, special team, C, <laughs> regular season B, and then playoffs F minus. <laughs>
1: uh, I would agree most of uh, that. The free agency, I'd give it a B because you got guys like a Javon Kers and Malik Hooker and stuff like that. Is like the only I give it. I guess you get the c minus because those guys that really. Hell value from the free agency. So we on one year deals, so I can get that. Um, when it comes to the head coach, yeah, I'll give him a D and then offensive coordinator, he wouldn't make any adjustments. He has all this talent. You're hearing about Cooper leaving. You're like, yeah, you get a C minus. And Dan Quinn <laughs> didn't resurge the D, uh, the, the Cowboys defense. We haven't looked this good and I don't since the Wade Phillip day. Oh man. Let's go
0: back a little while there. Yeah, that was <laughs> early. Two. Yeah, that was like 0-9 or oh so. eight. Yeah. Um I'm glad that you mentioned because you you know you said defensive resurgence and all that. And I think Dan Quinn has done a spectacular job with I mean, the defense was historically bad last season. Like not this season, two seasons ago. And for them to turn it around the way that they did, uh, that was really spectacular. A lot of credit goes to Dan Quinn. But one thing that this is a pretty hot button issue, and I'm sure that you've been on the end of a few of them. Uh, when it comes to Trayvon Diggs, so you know Trayvon Diggs led the league in interceptions. What do you have? Eleven, right? He had eleven interceptions. Yeah. Um, you know, it was all over the place, basically. Now, I have strong opinion opinions on Trayvon Diggs. When you get down to the numbers, I don't necessarily think. I think that interceptions are very overvalued in today's NFL. Uh, because then you look at someone like J.C. Jackson, who's a free agent this year, who's probably going to get seventeen to eighteen million dollars a year. Oh, yeah. But you know he's led he led the league in interceptions last year. He had six this year. He had like seven the year before that. But he also gave up almost eight hundred receiving yards. You know he gave up about seventy something catches. It, it really, if you think about it, it's a little bit more of a detriment to have someone like that in your team that gives up a ton of yards and then gets interceptions. So. I said that Trayvon Diggs really reminds me of kind of like a Kansas City version of uh, Marcus Peters, where it's like Marcus Peters does all the flashy things for him. He's a playmaker on defense, but he also gives up uh, a bunch of yards. And he's really, in terms of a man-to-man cover, a um, man-to-man corner, he's a, a liability. And I mean, I think we we saw that highlighted against San Francisco, where, where you look at Brendan Ayuk, who really kind of, you know, ran circles around Trayvon Diggs. So I think I think Diggs is a really solid zone corner, and I think his athleticism really, like, you know, makes up for some of his lapses in coverage. I think he's pretty solid zone- zonally, but man-to-man, I mean, I can't see him being an all-pro. I really couldn't, despite how how, you know, Statistically he filled the boxes, but like if you really break it down, I mean over a thousand yards receiving against him, uh, a lot of catches, a lot of third and targets. I think he had almost a hundred targets thrown to his way in um, you know, seventeen games. I think that was a lot to take in. And I think that the NFL fans, I'm not saying Dallas Cowboys fans, that you know, especially. There are a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans out there that will say that Trayvon Diggs is the best cornerback in football and not really look at the numbers, but I wanted to get your opinion on Trayvon Diggs, given obviously that you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. So what what do you think about some of the things that I said maybe you would oppose or, or you would agree with?
1: No, no, I oppose it. It's actually a fair assessment. He is a zone type of corner. He's not the man-to-man. He's kind of like a, I'd say a miles when it come to man coverage zone, I give him an A. Like He's in there, in, in that space, but he's looking for the ball. He's not looking at the receiver. He's looking for the ball. And tracking and it's like if you're a millisecond of off, that's when that receiver's gonna get those extra yards, so you gotta know you gotta when that ball's coming, you gotta make sure the timing right and there's been times you would see in the game where he would give a lot of yards away to the receiver would go out for a touchdown sometimes, but the thing I like about him he has like that short uh you know, like a short memory like he won't be down on himself he would didn't get a pick or something like that, but I guess why. Cowboy fans are in love with Trayvon Diggs is because we had a Byron Jones who was a straight-up man coverage type of corner, but he never really got an interception. He had like one or two. And it just, I guess we're just happy that he's uh, causing turnovers because the Cowboys defense we had maybe luckily see one pick every five weeks or something like that. And it's just like, I, I think that's why a lot of us are saying, oh, he's the best corner in the league. But I was thinking that too. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, but after the season, over you kind of look at like all the stats and stuff. Like, yeah, he gave out a lot of yards, but I get he'd be a top ten corner. But right. I think he just he just needs to work on his man coverage as well. Find a balance of being in the man coverage and zone. Like, if you get those two, together, that's when you get to a top five type of corners. Like, sometimes you just try to lock on your receiver, and sometimes and then try to track the ball. But he's still young. This is his second season he's going to his third, so. I think he's going to keep on improving and stuff. So I think we could see him being the top five this coming season.
0: I, I would definitely agree that right now, I mean, he's definitely top 10 because, like you said, yeah. like zone, he's zonal coveraging. He's probably one of, if not the best cornerbacks in football when it comes to that. But, you know, there's no happy medium anymore. And I'm sure you know this as a big football fan. It's everything is everything is based off of scheme. So, like, you're never going to get that guy that's, you know, like I'm worried about teams that are going to throw bags at J.C. Jackson because he, to me, he's a better zone cornerback than a man-to-man guy too. And, you know, if he goes to – Say he signs with the Jets, a lot of, of course, a lot of people are rumoring him to go to the Jets because, you know, he wants a bag, the Jets got money, stuff like that. The Jets don't really run a lot of a lot of zone coverages with their corners. They run a lot of men. So I'm kind of concerned about, you know, throwing, it's almost like a Tremaine Johnson situation all over again. Remember how good uh-huh. Tremaine Johnson was with, with, at the time, St. Louis, and then he came uh-huh. over to New York and they made him play so that was the opposite they made him play zone in that defense and he was strictly man to man he was getting lost all day long um so I'm just I'm everything is really scheme based but I think that Dan Quinn fortifying his position as the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator really helps Trayvon Diggs I think if he could work with Trayvon Diggs for another season and really try and find that happy medium, I think that you'll see a huge jump, maybe not in interceptions because got to be honest with you, it's going to be tough to, to improve on 11 interceptions. But, you know, if you see like his grades go up, his his receptions against go down or even receptions against, I don't really care about. It's the yards that I care about. When you're giving up, when you're giving up, I don't remember how many, I think he gave up like 60 catches on like 97 targets but when you're giving up over a thousand yards on 60 catches like that is kind of crazy so i think i think really he need you need to get those yards back down to like a like a respectable 700 600 yards against but I, i definitely think that he has top five potential i mean i mean he's great for the organization everyone loves him i mean like he's a great he seems like a great guy he you know he he seems like his son everyone loves his son oh yeah so I, I think that you definitely have a face of a defense, and I mean, then you got Micah Parsons too. So that helps a lot. Yeah. That helps a lot too. So you got two young faces of the defense that Dan Quinn can kind of mold and make into his own, and that's that's fantastic. Um, you told me, if I'm not mistaken, that you um you do like prospect coverage, right? I,
1: I do prospect coverage, and I actually got some guys I written down. I kind of been looking at.
0: All right. So um, I did a Dallas Cowboys mock draft about a month ago. Um, Before I say that, I was having a big battle in the comment section about uh, the safety position. Now, the reason why I I always value a safety position kind of high, I know it's not a skill position per se, but I think that if you have a good safety or a good tandem, I mean, look at how good you have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde in, in Buffalo and how good they play together it could really make a big difference and you know you have what jaron curse is a free agent malik Hoker is a free agent keanu neal is a free agent there's a lot of free agents in that secondary for the dallas cowboys where are you where are you prioritizing safety not only in maybe free agency uh but in the draft as well when it comes to free agency
1: i kind of hope that's one of their top uh, uh priorities uh, not not before offensive line and getting a little depth on on the, on the linebacker side, because you need somebody. You got Cox coming back from injury, so you got to see what he's going to be. But outside of that, you got you have Michael Parsons, who's been a beast. But uh, when it comes to safety, it'd probably be third. is like maybe we can. I could. I, I feel like they're going to get Jaron Curse back because how he's talking, he wants to be playing with Dan
0: Quinn. He had a good. He had a good season. Yeah. I mean, you can't get that much. You can't get more value off of the deal that they gave him you know, yeah. for what he, he provided, yeah. but I, I want to run, of- I want to run this bio. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it or if you did, I don't know if you remember the prospects, but I want, I want to kind of see what your opinion is on what I, I'll give you like the the first like five, because I don't want, you know, once we get into like sixth and seventh round guys, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. Of course it matters, but not as much, yeah. but um, the first round pick, that I did for the Dallas Cowboys was Zion Johnson, who was the guard from Boston College, and the reason I did that is because you know you look at Connor Williams and he's going to be a free agent, and uh, I'm expecting since the the offensive line class is kind of weak in free agency this year, especially when it comes to younger free agent uh, lineman. I mean, you got guys like Teron Armstead, and and those guys are in their you know their thirties already, so I don't know how much you want to throw a bag at a at an offensive lineman that age, so. You know, Connor Williams is 25 years old, probably going to get a long term deal with a lot of money. So that's where I'm thinking where that Connor Williams is going to be going. And Zion Johnson, probably it, talking about interior offensive linemen, besides for maybe Tyler Linderbaum, I can't really see someone better. I mean, he's a, I, you could say he's a tad undersized. He's 6'3, 316 pounds, but his technique is fantastic. His power is fantastic. He's really good. Um, he he runs the Boston College runs the same type of running style that the Dallas Cowboys in, imply, and then pass blocking. He's a rock. So I'm 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 curious to see what you think about maybe a first round pick being a guard for the Cowboys. Oh, that's
1: who I really have as
0: a guard or a center. If Linda Vols right there
1: sign me up to that, I don't. I'm not a big hard on like oh he's two ninety like Jason Kelsey did it for over, over ten years and he's still handling business like. But there's another guy I would say for guard would be Kenyon Green, who basically on that A&M offense has been a right tackle, right guard, left guard, left tackle. But I, 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 he's, in my honest opinion, is a very good left guard. He stays low in his position when he's attacking. He's a taller guy. He's like 6'4, six 6'5, six but mm-hmm. you don't see him like standing up in his position. He, he's one of those guys who drive players to the ground and stuff like that gets to the second level uh, quick with his lateral quickness. And, but I, I like Zion Donson. I don't. I don't really trip on that if he's a little short and stuff like that. It's like, what, what does the film show that he, he handles his business? He gets to the next. He gets to the next level. If he sees a linebacker, he's gonna take him out and get that running back that extra yardage because Zeke will love him there. And like the passing, the, the thing. the problem is last year with Connor Williams, he had so many penalties and stuff like that, and on the, the center. Biotis, he's a backup center, to be honest with you. I think the reason why the Cowboys drafted him, because he, he comes from the same college as Travis Frederick, Frederick who was a physical center. His career kind of got short because of injuries stuff. He retired at 27. They're like, oh, let's get another Wisconsin guy. But Biotis is more of a finesse type of center. When I'm look, when I'm looking for interior guard, I want somebody that's physical who's you know, doing a little extra after the after the whistle. And that's what you don't see out of Biotis, right? The guys you you bring it up, they will go to the next level with that and stuff like that. They're fundamentally sound interior offensive line.
0: I like what you talked about. The only reason I didn't really bring bring up Kenyon Green is because I think that – I think he'll definitely be the first guard taken off of the board. And I think it will really come down – I don't know why Linderbaum is sliding so far as he is, but I know that there was talks at the beginning of this whole draft process where Linderbaum was going to be like top ten. He's not getting past the Giants. He's not getting past the Jets. That was a little bit different. I'm really curious as to why. Maybe it is that 290 pound thing. But like you said, yeah. Jason Kelsey's been bossing it for the past decade. Uh, he's a smaller center, but um, yeah. I was thinking that Kenyon Green's probably not going to get past either. I'd say. I mean, there's there's a few teams I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Baltimore. I'm thinking of the Chargers. I'm thinking of even even the Eagles. And I got. And I'll be honest with you. I actually I don't do when I do my mock draft videos. I don't like to repeat. Prospects for other teams because I want to make it as realistic as possible. And uh, I actually had Kenyon Green going to the Eagles, and a lot of people were flaming me for that. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, if Jason Kelsey retires, they drafted Landon Dickerson to be his replacement, so they slide Landon Dickerson back as a center, and then you have Isaac Sayamalo, and then a hole as as your guard. So he could play both guard. He's he's a fantastic athlete, like you said. He's actually six four, three hundred twenty five pounds, and he moves. Like like he's 225 pounds, you know yeah. he's he's got great athleticism. So I had him going there, but I think in like in in Philadelphia. But I think in terms of uh Zion Johnson, I think that in, if you want to talk about like a not so sexy but safe pick, I mean Johnson is your guy. I think he's going to be one of those rocks in an, in an organization for for ten years. He's going to be a guy like that you just kind of forget about. You plug him in there, and you're like, all right, we'll talk. We'll talk when your contract is up, you know, something yeah. like that. And then going on to round two, this was another I don't want to say unpopular opinion, but I like I said I prioritize safety a lot and that's just the, the way that I think and and I had the Cowboys taking Lewis Sin, the um safety from Georgia. So uh I mean you wanna talk about someone that you know stops the play at the point of attack, his coverage skills are fantastic. You know, he. I like I said. I you know, you always talk about undersized I and mean, maybe a little bit uh, light in the waistband, but uh, I talk about playmaker. I mean, he's he definitely shot himself up the boards in the college football playoffs. I mean, he made a lot of plays in the the national championship game, the game before that. You know the. um the sec championship game as well he really shot himself up against premium competition mind you as well which was a big thing for me seeing him play as well as he did against alabama twice and and um who did they play they played michigan right yeah they played michigan and i i just thought that he would be a slam dunk i know maybe round two is is kind of early for safety in your opinion but i'd like to see what you think about lewis end and round two
1: i actually like that one i think they need to get outside of their mold and actually investigate in the early uh, safety, even if it's in the third round. Like, you, you can't just be picking safeties in, like, in the fifth and sixth round. It's like, you need to actually check. Like, you could get a safety, and you can keep them for two to three years on a contract instead of, you know, getting the guy for one year, and then you lose them because a, uh, new teams are going to uh, sign them because they did well, or they just need safety help. Because there. there's a lot of teams that need safety help. And if, you, if There's one on the board for one. And another guy I like to bring up is a a Jalen Petrie from uh from Baylor who brings versatility, range, the type of safety that uh that uh, Dan Quinn would like in his defense.
0: Yeah, he he was another guy that shot himself up the board uh in senior bowl. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I mean he was making plays all over the field and and that was a guy that I was thinking about, you know, weeks previously because I do these videos. I do about two or three of them a week. So I'm constantly looking at these guys' names and stuff. So as soon as like I, I, as soon as I was watching the Senior Bowl, I'm like, I know all these guys. I was like, it's kind of weird that I'm like sitting here and I watch, I know even all the linemen, ma- even the linemen. I'm like, I know all these guys, but you know, his name was something that I thought of a bunch of times before the Senior Bowl, and I was like, this guy, his measurables are pretty good. And I was like, he he makes a lot of plays, uh, and then you know, the Senior Bowl, he was fantastic, and I said, oh, he's going to shoot himself. He was about a, f- a fourth round va- valuation shoots himself right into the third maybe even the second round but that's a that's a great prospect to bring up and then talking about round 3 I'll just go until round 4 I don't I don't want to I don't want to bore you to death but <laughs> I, like, I like doing drafts but um so round 3 I had uh, Brian Asamoah was a linebacker from uh Oklahoma personally yeah. there's two guys there's two guys that I'm really excited for at the net. well three guys uh Chad Muma is someone oh, I'm so really I'm excited for um DeMarco Jackson which a lot of people don't really know about he's from Appalachian State he's going to be like a later round linebacker I his tape was phenomenal to watch and Brian Asamoah is probably one of the smartest linebackers in college football uh he is the far and away leader on that Oklahoma Sooners defense he aligns everyone uh he he makes plays he's explosive from end to end uh, he could stop the run well. His coverage skills are, are off the chart for for a linebacker. Athleticism, he's there uh, with the best. I, he reminds me kind of like a Fred Warner type of guy, where he's not really yes. that big, and um, but he just makes a ton of plays, and he's just extremely athletic. And I believe that that's the way. I think that Fred Warner is the mold for the next wave of linebackers in the NFL. Um, the guy before that. Before before Fred Warner came about was Telvin Smith. I know you remember Telvin Smith. Where oh, yeah. Telvin Smith was six foot two, like two hundred and fifteen pounds, but he was making plays everywhere on the field as as a smaller linebacker. And I think that the athleticism really comes into play. I'm I'm curious as to what you think of of maybe linebacker guys that you're looking at and Brian Asamoah.
1: Oh, that's actually a good one because I looked at him as like Tevin Warner. Uh, Tevin White was a. Uh, was basically the mold for linebackers because there weren't linebackers are all like two fifty, two forty, and they were thumpers, and they weren't really into coverage. But him being in there, and then you get the Fred Warners, and now you got guys that are like two twenty or two thirty at best, like in covers. Like you got to cover because this this league is all about pass passing uh, throwing the ball. It's not about it's still about running, but it's majority of passing. You got to have coverage skills. If you don't, you're just kind of going to be basically like against the runs type of skill set. But uh, a couple of linebackers, like you said, Chad Mooma, if I can look real quick. Uh, another guy, uh, I don't know if you read, was uh, about uh, Nate Landman from uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. That's another good linebacker. He had injuries and stuff like that, but he's a leader on that Colorado defense. Brings that type of thump that you're looking for as a middle linebacker and stuff. But also can be in pass coverages as well. He's he's like six three by two thirty-five and he and he lays the woods on running backs, uh quarterbacks, anybody that's in his way. It's just that good type of energy you're looking for in a linebacker.
0: There's some guy I mean, this has to be, and I I'm sure you could attest to this as well. This has to be one of the deepest linebacker classes I've seen in a really long time. I mean, the the class is led by you know Devin Lloyd and Nicobe Dean and everyone loves those guys and um, everyone else kind of gets overshadowed because you look at like, you know, you think of like Darian Beavers, you think of Leo Chanel, you know, Jojo Doman. There's so many guys that like, m- like mid round guys that could easily be like plug and play Mike linebackers or outside linebackers, you know, will linebackers. And, and it you know, you think of Terrell Bernard too. And, and Baylor, there's just something like the line, I think out of all, Of the classes this year, I've looked at tight end and linebacker the most because they're the most intriguing. There's a big separation between the top two and then the rest. But the rest is just so consistent and so solid that I just like there's like 20 guys that I'm like, these guys could easily be day one starters in the NFL. Yeah, that's that's
1: how I looked at it. They're not really talking. They're like the most underrated position in this draft. And they got talent. They're not, they're gonna be going between second and fourth. But like you said, they're gonna be day one starters, and they're gonna be quality line uh, linebackers and tight ends. And teams are gonna appreciate them. They're kind of like, man, we we gotta still on that. That's this. Like you said, yeah, there's twenty prospects that can. They're gonna be starters, and it's not. It could be day. It could be week two or week three. You're gonna be like, oh, okay, he's showing out. He's like, he. he like, these linebackers in this draft are, like, going to be your modern-day Fred Warner type of guys. They may not play at that level, but you're going to have a really good, uh, solid starting. Comes
0: I don't know if you've um, seen Terrell Bernard's tape, but he's been, like, he's been someone that I've been looking at the past, like, week or so. He was kind of a name that I was always passing on the board, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll look at him at some point. And then I really got a chance to, like, look at him. And – He's probably going to be about a fourth or fifth round guy, I'd say. Not big, six one, two hundred twenty five pounds, but man, can that guy cover? I mean, like, he's like he's like glue on a rat trap, dude. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's wow. crazy. I might actually need to check on him because I, I like you were saying that
1: he kind of passed on him, and I was like six one, two twenty five. That's a little small, but I like. It. I looked at N'Kobe Dean. I'm like, come, i I definitely going to check out him after this podcast and.
0: Yeah, Terrell uh, Bernard's tape is really cool. And then, if you got a chance to uh, look at Demarco Jackson as well, a lot of people, a lot of people talk about Chad Muma is like you know, fantastic under the radar, not that athletic, but makes up for it in pursuit and recognition. And um, he he led the league in tack the the nation in tackles with 142. And then coming up, probably third or fourth, was Demarco Jackson at 119. He had six sacks from the line from the middle linebacker position. Uh, forced fumbles, interceptions. His tape was really fun to watch too. And that was like, sometimes these prospects like have like really long tapes and I'm just like sitting here like, oh my God, yeah, how many times can I, how many times can I see him like hit the same guy over in the middle? But DeMarco Jackson, there was so much going on that I was just like, oh my God, the nine minutes went by like, like, like in two seconds. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then the last, the last position I really wanted to talk about was my, my fourth round pick. And uh, a lot of people thought I was getting lazy because um, the next pick is Alec Lindstrom. So he's a center from Boston College, just like Zion Johnson. But it just fell perfectly into place. Like, I don't I don't really think a lot of people look at, like, my mock drafts or just mock drafts in general. And they're like, ah, you drafted too many guys from Alabama or oh, you drafted too many guys from LSU. And it's like, if they fit, what the heck does it matter? Who cares? Like, who cares what, hap- what happens? But Lindstrom, he's. Like right away, you said, and I'm glad that you highlighted it before that Biadish is clearly like a backup center. Like he's not, he, he should not be a starting center. He's a very, a very good backup. That's what yeah. what he should be. And Lindstrom really is a guy that could just kind of walk into the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and be like, all right, Biadish, you're out. You know, like he, yeah. he he's like a nasty dude on the inside that I really enjoy. I didn't watch too much of his tape because. As I was watching Zion Johnson's tape, I was able to watch Alec Lindstrom as well. So I didn't really have to watch too much of, of, of Lindstrom's tape to really get like a feel on, on what he's about. But nasty dude, solid. Um, his anchor is fantastic. Like, And he gets, you know, with those big D tackles, you get bull rushed a lot. There's not a lot of finesse coming from those those inside guys. And he's got a nice, strong anchor. He's That's really his, his best quality is his strength because he's a little bit on the smaller side, like like we were talking about before. He's about, I think he's like 290 or 295, um, but he just stonewalls guys. Like, if you see them bull rushing, they, they just hit a brick wall when they hit Lindstrom, and he's fantastic as a um, as a run blocker, really good in pass protection as well. He's someone that that is a breath of fresh air to be oddish, because countless times I was watching the Cowboys on, like, the game of the week, and I'd see Biotish in Dak Prescott's lap like half the time. Yeah. And that's one thing that it's like I'd love to see them get someone who's strong enough to ward off those bull rushes, especially in pass protection.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, he's on a drive because of weight, but I think the thing is like they get into strength and uh, conditioning programs in the NFL, they're going to put on weight. Mm-hmm. It may not be twenty pounds, it may be ten pounds, but that just like you said, the film is showing that he's strong with an anchor, and Bish' he would definitely he would get bull rush and he'd be riding dax prescott's uh, lap and stuff <laughs> and Dax uh, trying to throw the ball, but he's getting knocked over by Bi and it's like he's just a backup center but i i like when you say you could look at his film as well, like was, you got zahn right there and and Lindstrom right there and then. Lynchburn comes from offensive line background. His brother plays in the Atlanta Falcons. I think his probably played offensive line for Boston mm-hmm. College. So that back that offensive line background is there. the the size isn't there, but the the play is there. Yeah, fun. for
0: sure. And and I thought it was interesting too. Like I like trying to put like different scenarios in my head, and I was like, right away you get chemistry like out the gate. If they if they both start on the same line, they 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 both played for two I think they played for two two and change years together so you're already adding 25 plus games together that they played right next to each other so you know there's always a lot of people don't really think that that oh well you're blocking one guy I'm blocking my guy what does chemistry have to do with it but there's a lot of lines that you see that you know got the talent and they just can't they just can't perform they don't have the chemistry and then they come back the next year with maybe another player and then four other guys and you're like all right, like these <laughs> these guys are playing really well, and that's that's something that we saw with like the Cincinnati and the Cincinnati. I'm sorry, Cincinnati Bengals offense offensive line was horrible the whole year. Talk about the Kansas <laughs> City the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. where you know you had Orlando Brown, Trey Smith, um, Creed Humphreys, um, Austin Reeder, and I'm drawing a blank on the other guy's name, but oh Joe Tooney, and then someone else. But, you know, you're like, they have all this talent, spent all this money, all this draft capital on it. It's like they're not playing that well. And then once you get towards like, you know, the, the sixth, seventh, eighth game rest of the season, it's like Patrick Mahomes is is entering the game and exiting the game with a clean jersey. Like so, you know, it, they just need time to gel. And I think <clears throat> you already get an advantage with Lindstrom and Johnson next to each other because they played X amount of years together, you know?
1: Yeah, that, that'd be like the perfect combination, having them two together. I don't think some people realize offensive linemen hang out with each other basically 24/7. They will eat together, party together, whatever. They just and like those type of guys you want on the team is like if somebody gets a little too extra when they tackle uh Dak Prescott or some, they're going to have his back. That's the type of offensive line you get have those two individuals. Like
0: now now I know that you said that you like you know the draft and, and draft prospects and stuff. So every time someone tells me that or every guest that I have on, I do have to ask them one question. Um, so I, I want you to give me one like later round. So I, I classify late round as basically the, the fifth round and beyond. So give me a guy that you think is going to be in the later rounds of the draft that you're just like, guy is going to be a stud, like absolutely going to be a stud.
1: Oh, uh, one guy I feel like it would probably be like a six or seven-round guy is uh, Dominic Robinson out of Miami, Ohio, who was a receiver a couple years ago, but he only played one year as a defensive end, and I've seen like the full potential. He's up to like 250-something something like that. You see the speed as a receiver. He's basically learning that position. If you're with the right defensive line coach and get all that together, you're looking at a solid start in the NFL. It may take two or three years cause, you know Defensive hands and defensive tackles take a little bit uh, time to develop, and some of them just off the jump are really good. And I feel like you can get a, a guy that's a four to seven sack type of guy out of a Dominique Robinson.
0: It's so funny that you that you mentioned that because the last the last draft that I just did was the the Chargers, and in the I think it was like the end of the fifth round, I had them taking Dominique Robinson, and I'm just like when I was watching his tape, I'm like this guy was a receiver. I'm like, this guy, this guy's pretty good. I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty funny. And and I said, I actually prefaced it by saying that if this guy played more than one season as an outside linebacker or defensive end, I was like, he probably would be a second or third round pick. Maybe even at the end of the first, I was like, this guy's got all the tools. He's humongous. He's, I think he's like six, five. Like you say, he's closing. He's, he's probably surpassed two fifty by this point. Okay. He's just a, a big dude. And I'm so glad I got really excited. I don't know if you saw my face when you said, yeah. Dominic Roberts. I, was, I got really excited, <laughs> 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 but um, that's really cool. And, and I always, I, I kind of just like, like, go, you know, play ping pong with that. And I give okay. someone that, that uh, I think is going to be like, a, like a stud and I'm looking at uh, Mark Juan McCall nose tackle from Kentucky. I mean, there's one thing I'm I'm going to say he's probably late sixth, early seventh, but my God, this guy, he's six foot three. I think I'm pretty sure he's like 370 pounds and he runs a four, five, five. Look, I, I need to check out this film. Like, like I read that, like I was reading like his profile and I read that. And like my eyes like blew out of my head and I was like, all right, I got to watch this. It was like, this guy is, and you know, cause, I'm sure you you think this, too, that nose guard or nose tackle is such an undervalued position, especially in a 3-4 defense. Like Those guys get no love. You look at like Casey Hampton. How long was he doing it in Pittsburgh? You know what I'm saying? And, and everyone was like, this guy only has 10 career sacks. Why is he in a, a multiple-time All-Pro? It's like because the dude ate two or three blocks every single snap. <laughs> so that's why. And, dude, like I've seen in his tape one-on-one blocking it's as good as not even having someone there in front of him is he's like a like a like a stud he's just one of those guys that like if more teams used nose tackles and used more of a three four like base defense then he would definitely be like like a third or fourth round pick but it's just like he's a nose tackle like you know he's just there to eat blocks like no one's really going to take an early round pick on him but dude seriously check out marquan mccall if you have a chance Cause like. There's no business for – you think – have you seen Jordan Davis's tape and Devontae mm-hmm. Wyatt? Those guys yeah. move like they're 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. I, I mean McCall is something like I've never seen before. The guy – like snap quickness in the backfield before you even have a chance to like to like realize <laughs> it. it. It's it's really something to lo and behold. But, um, you know, I figured that we'd wrap it up here. I mean this was a fantastic – talk i really appreciate you coming on man like seriously this was a really fun time um i'm I'm glad that we had it um this is what i wanted to do like um when i put out that tweet last week and like this is exactly what i wanted to do like you know we don't know each other besides for the last hour but this was a great conversation i'm getting your you know your perspective on dallas cowboys and i don't know too much about the dallas cowboys i'm from new york you know what i mean like i, oh, so I, I live good. in new york i don't know how i don't know as much as you do about the dallas cowboys so um Thank you so much for giving me your perspective. Thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm sorry if I talked your ear off. I tend to do that. I'm Italian. Uh, oh, you're good. <laughs> Ain't no um, worries. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to maybe like um plug any any YouTube, any any podcast, any any kind of Twitter profiles you're, you you want to do. So the floor is yours and let me know what, what you want to plug, man. Okay. It might take a little five
1: to 10 minutes because I'm trying to make sure I get them all. Do so, what you got to
0: do, man. I don't care. Hey,
1: I appreciate you for having me on the show. And no, you didn't talk too much. I, I'm more of a listener, so I, I like to hear other people's perspectives. I'm not one of the ones that like to talk. Uh, I like to talk, but I want to hear people's perspectives on, on their team and as well as my team. And, it's, and so far, it's been fair assessments. I haven't like, oh, you went too far. No, but you didn't go there. But uh, uh so you can check me out on Tacos and Touchdowns on IG and Twitter. And you can check out my personal profile. To, uh, I I'm I majority talk about sports on Twitter when it comes to that. So Aaron B, nine zero one, and then you can check out uh, any content from Off the Ball Network and then Prime Time Cowboys, who I, I write for now. I'm my latest article on Dalton Schultz is the latest one I I dropped on Friday. I'm gonna be working on one this week as well, so be on the lookout for that one. Try to make sure I'm missing anything. <laughs> oh, check out Tacos and Touchdowns on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple uh, Podcasts as well. So that's all. Uh, that's all my plugs in I got that I could think of. Probably gonna miss some, but it's all good.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you miss something, just just message me on Twitter, and I'll put it on the bio, and I'll make sure that you you know, especially with the uh, Prime Time Cowboys, we'll make sure that that uh, we'll make sure that that Twitter profile gets a little bit of love because that's a that's a cool looking profile, and I know a ton of Dallas Cowboys fans, so. We'll get you up there, buddy. Don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, that's a big plus, dude. Hey, I appreciate you for that's early, dude.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Aaron, I really appreciate you coming on, man. I, thank you so much. Hey, no problem, bro. I got you. You need any more Dallas Cowboys? I'm your guy. Oh, for sure. You already know that you're going to be a returning guest when I, when I talk about Dallas Cowboys. But, you know, for Aaron, for myself, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much.